friends, and welcome to episode 676 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today on the Juice Box Podcast, I don't know why I'm talking like this. Let me start over again. On this episode of the Juice Box Podcast, I'll be speaking with Jake Leach. Jake is, uh, you know, from Dexcom. He's been on the show a bunch of times, and he's here today to talk about G7. It's a short episode, but it's full of good information. If you're looking forward to the Dexcom G7, you're going to like what comes next. While you're listening today, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you are a U.S. resident who has type 1 diabetes or is the caregiver of someone with type 1, your answers to simple questions are valuable. Go take the survey at t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. In fewer than 10 minutes, you will help people living with type 1 diabetes while you're supporting the Juicebox podcast. This episode of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by U.S. Med. Get your diabetes supplies from U.S. Med. Find out more and get your free benefits check by going to usmed.com forward slash juicebox, or you can call. I love reading the phone number. It brings me back to my childhood when I watched television. That was who my parents were, the television. And uh, then these ad was, nevertheless, ready? 888-721-1514. That's 888-721-1514. Call now. That is how every ad when I was a kid ended. It was that the phone number, and then they said, call now. Anyway, if you call that number or you go to the link, you can get a free benefits check and uh, get started with U.S. Med. I'll tell you more about them later. I actually just switched over Arden's Omnipods to U.S. Med. We're working on getting G7 approved. Sorry about being late. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a stupid excuse. That's literally what I was just on the phone talking about. (laughs) Not that it's approved. Don't take that. It's not on the record. It's more of like, we're answering questions. All right, hold on a second. I can't get my light to come on, so I'm going to be in the dark. But I'll still be. Let me see if I can throw a secondary light on. <laughs> no, no worries, Scott. No. Uh, let's see. Hey, how are you? Good, man. How you doing? I'm, I'm okay. Uh, so is that really what you were doing? You weren't just like in the bathroom and you couldn't get here on time? What was happening? No, no, literally. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was on the phone with our team where... Uh, you know, uh, back and forth with the FDA, they ask a question, you answer it, then they want some more clarification, you answer it. And I mean, it really comes down to um, there's just so much in these filings that they, you know, they can't possibly read all 38,000 pages. So they just kind of pick areas that they want to spend some time with. So right. we end up helping point them to the right places. And so it's a very, it's real interactive. It's great um, and very thorough, but it, just, it takes a little time. Yeah. Does the integration with, um, algorithms change your submission or is that on the pump person side? That's on the pump side. Yes. The pump side, they basically, once we get G7 approved um, as an ICGM, then they quickly do their um, uh, submission. They have, they have a little bit of validation work they have to do on their side to show that they have compatibility with the new G7 system. Um, uh, but it's, 
All of this is based on um, the work that FDA had done to do the ICGM and the iController. It really facilitates quicker approvals. Mm -hmm. If if they wouldn't have done that, it almost you know likely would you'd have to run a new study with every generation of technology instead of trying to make them more um, compatible. So it's pretty. It was good forward thinking on the FDA's part the way set it up. So yeah, each of those pump companies will have a submission right after we get G7 approved that they'll have to go through to get the G7 approved for use with their automated insulin delivery systems. Do you think that, I'm going to ask you to speculate, do you think that's something they have ready to go and they're just waiting for you to get your okay so they can submit theirs? Or is it a process that like starts at day one when you... No, no, there are both both of them, uh, Tandem and Insulet, are already working on G7 integration. I've already seen prototypes working Mm -hmm. of their systems. So um, they, um, you know, they're not ready to like file it right away. Uh, they might be uh, by the time we get G7 approval, we'll see, you know, because we've got, um, you know, probably a little bit more uh, review time on G7. So we'll see. Um, that hopefully, I mean, they're moving as fast as they can. We're supporting them in every way mm-hmm. to help them move as fast as possible. But there, there will be some time where um, people will stay on G6 if they're on those systems before they can move to G7. What was, um? I'm going to jump around a little bit here. Do you mind? Uh, no, I'm no problem, man. Good. Uh, so you got approval overseas already? Yeah, we got a CE mark last last month, and um, you know how we like to move fast. So we already moved into a um, limited launch. So G7 is in the hands of customers in the UK right now. Mm-hmm. Um, at the uh, recent ATTD show that just um, uh, is wrapping up in Europe, they um, we had a number of um, clinicians that had used the product uh, as well as some of their customers, and they, we shared a little bit of feedback. Feedback's been great. You know, no, no surprises. Um, yeah, everyone loves the smaller size, easy use, new app, the grace period, the 30 minutes startup, um, the you know, more configurable alerts uh, for um, convenience. There's just there's a whole lot in G7. So pretty everyone's pretty happy with it. We're happy with how it's going. We do these limited launches just to test, you know, both the product, but also just our systems, technical support, make sure we know how to support this. thing. <laughs> Last thing you'd want to do is go big and then have an issue that while it's fit correctable, it's sometimes hard to correct when you're you know, at the scale we're at. So you want to get it going a little bit slower at first. Was that the first time that that's happened, that you've gotten something moving overseas before in the U.S. on a new product? Um, no, um, it's... Um, you know, there's been lots of different reasons over time where this has happened. I'll give you one example: is G4 actually was approved first in Europe with um, the Animus pump uh, of all things, right? Mm-hmm. So that was actually a, a previously approved version. So um, that was, um, uh, you know, and then we ended up redesigning some of the G4 pr- product. G- made it G4 Platinum and then launched it. Um, this one was just a. The case here is that the clinical trial. Um, that we had to run for the FDA is a little bit larger and takes longer than we the one that is required for the regulatory agencies in Europe. So we purposefully ran two separate trials. We wanted to get the product out as fast as we could. So we ran a trial for Europe and we ran a separate trial for the U.S. And we submitted the the European um, submission while we were still running the U.S. trial. Okay. Um, can I f- flow through some questions real quick? I think they're going to be kind of kind of quick ones. Of course. Excellent. I have, uh, these are from people who listen to the podcast who want to know what they want to know. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll start with, they're wondering if the new form factor of G7 cuts down on compression lows. I've asked you guys this question in the past and the answer has been, we hope so, but I was wondering if you have any more data. Yeah, we don't, I don't have anything valid validated to say, 
you know, if you place the sensors in the exact same spot and you lay on it in a, you know, statistical format, does it reduce compression loads? I don't have that, but what we um, have uh, seen is that with the size of G7, it can be worn, you know, in slightly different, you know, locations on the, particularly on the arm, where you can kind of move it around uh, because the sensor probe is shorter. It's also much more comfortable in the arm. So people have found like they can wear it a little bit lower in their arm, a little bit higher. So mm-hmm. um, we have seen people that, if they experience a compression low, I figured out how to move it around a bit so that they don't don't have it. But um, they still can happen on G7. Um, but from a statistically significant perspective, I don't have an exact answer on is it less. Um, but it's certainly more comfortable to wear um, because of it's so much thinner. Yeah. Hey, you just mentioned the sensor probe. Does it go on a, in on a different angle than the G6? It does, yeah. It goes straight in. It's a 90-degree angle versus the 45-degree angle. And what... Um, we were able to develop sensor technology w- within our electrodes that allow us to have a shorter sensor probe. Um, so the depth is actually slightly shallower than G7 or G6. So G7 is shallower than um, G6. And it's also less sensor probe under the skin because it's straight in versus that 45 degree angle. Oh, no kidding. So the, the G6, is it, am I ready to test my memory? Is it 13 millimeters? Yes, is yes, you, exactly. I can't believe this is how long I've been doing this, Jake. Yeah, <laughs> nice work. Right off the top I'm of impressed. my head. What about the G7? Is it, do you know the measurement? Six, six millimeters. Six millimeters. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, is the change in size going to impact the cost at all? I think what people are asking, moreover, is do you see yourself as a competitor with Libre or a different, are you in a different space than they are? Um, well, actually, Scott, that is a very good question. So um, we're definitely um, looking at a portfolio of products. So in Europe, we've launched a new product called Dexcom One, which um, is going to be in some, the same markets as our G7 product, as well as G6, but we'll be replacing G6 with G7. The idea is, is that there's certain in certain countries, people have access to um, G6, but they may not... Um, uh, there are some people that don't have access to G6. So, uh, for example, right now, um, it, some, some countries categorize if you're at higher risk, meaning maybe a pediatric whose parents are taking care of their diabetes management or someone who's hypoglycemic unaware, they absolutely have to have alerts and alarms. Um, those folks have access to G6. There's a large population of people um, that don't have access to G6. They, ha- they have access to other technologies. And so what we did was with, G- with Dexcom 1, we brought in the, the product. It um, doesn't have all the same functionality as G6. Um, it's a simpler product, but it still has alerts and alarms. It's still is all based on the same accuracy, same hardware platform with a new mobile application. The whole purpose of that product is to help grow our business internationally and give more people access to Dexcom CGM. Mm-hmm. And so that um, product, you know, just over the past um, year, we've, we've opened up over a million new people who have access to Dexcom that have never had it before around the globe. So um, that, and then we're kind of just starting with that. We've launched in a few countries with Dexcom one, and we plan to launch it in quite a few more. Um, but, uh, you know, getting back to that question around cost, you know, G7 is um, not intended to be more expensive or out of higher out of pocket for people. It's, it's you know, part of people's um, cost of the product is ha- their insurance coverage, but, you know, there, there's 30% of our customers don't pay anything. And you know the other thirty percent pay quite a low copay. I think it's less than sixty dollars um, per month. So um, it's uh, you know G seven. One of the things about launching it is there's some coverage that we have to get uh, for the product to ensure people can transition from G six to G seven or get coverage for G seven. So there's some steps we take once we get FDA approval. 
so for people who are out of pocket though will there be a, an increase from gc i don't believe so yeah i'm not i mean i'm not deep into the pricing discussions but i um don't expect we don't have any expectation that we're increasing price um for for you know customers okay great uh when um eventually one day when Omnipod 5 and Control IQ are compatible with G7 and they're through FDA and everything. Uh, this is a big, I know this isn't really a question for you, but I got asked so many times today, I'm going to bring it up anyway. Um, if someone's set up with G6 on one of those systems and they move to G7, is it going to just be as simple as going into a setting and telling it I'm using the G7 now, not the G6? They're, um, you know, each, each, uh, the architecture of these systems are all a little bit unique, right? Each one is, is, um, you know, the Omnipod has the algorithm on, on top of a, you know, disposable, um, you could look at control IQ, it's built into the pump. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if you take control IQ, for an example, when you want to upgrade to G7, there'll be a firmware update that's required on the pump. Um, similar to my expectations would be similar to going from basal IQ to control IQ when they did the, you know, you could do the, the update. It's going to be something, you know, similar to that is what I would expect. Um, and, uh, you know, with Omnipod, it's it's likely a new firmware version on the pod, right, that okay. can communicate with G7. So um, it, I think it's going to be, you know, the whole point is it's very easy for customers to do it. It's not like you have to get a whole new um, system. Uh, it's just, you know, it's about making these systems upgradable. That's the whole point of trying to be able to keep up with the innovation that's going on in, you know, sensors, AID, they're all on slightly different timelines, but you want them to come together. So right. that's why the, you know, FDA's approach with the ICGM was, was such a good approach. Uh, let's see. Oh, people want to know about overlaying session time. So will, with G7, will there be a possibility of putting on a new one while you're still wearing an old one? There is, there is completely. You can do that if you want uh, with the 30 minute startup time though, it's, um, it's not quite the same challenge that you're trying to solve for because you know right now you know I get feedback from customers that the two hours that they don't have the CGM data while it's doing its warm up at the initial you know beginning of the session is is a terrible time because you know the AID system's not using you know not working or they're not getting that data they're flying blind so um, you do have a 30 minute startup with G7 G7 starts the sensor session and immediately upon insertion automatically you don't have to do anything so it just starts okay. And and do you get and so thirty minutes later I get data. Literally, you get data. Yeah, accurate, reliable data. U.S. Med is a place where you can get your diabetes supplies. They offer you white glove treatment. U.S. Med is a number of things. I'm going to rattle them off for you right now. Ready? The number one distributor for Freestyle Libre systems nationwide. They are the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, the number one fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide, the number one rated distributor in Dexcom customer satisfaction surveys. How about that? They have served over 1 million people with diabetes since 1996. They always provide 90 days worth of supplies and they have fast and free shipping. That's right, U.S. Med carries everything from insulin pumps and diabetes testing supplies to the latest in CGMs, like Freestyle Libre 2 and the Dexcom G6. Here's a little personal information for you that you really have no business knowing, but I will tell you anyway. I just had Arden's prescription for Omnipod 5 sent to U.S. Med. They accept Medicare nationwide and over 800 private insurers. You should check out U.S. Med and find out why they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. How do you do this? Well, you can do it with a link, usmed.com forward slash juicebox, or by calling 
this special number just for Juicebox Podcast listeners. That number is 888-721-1514. US Med wants you to get your diabetes supplies. They want you to have a better experience than the one you might be having now with whatever company is sending you your supplies. Switch to US Med. I'm going to also remind you to go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox and fill out the survey. And lastly, that the links to US Med, T1D Exchange, and all of the sponsors are available in the podcast player that you're listening in right now. Like go in there, there's like show notes, they're right in there, or they're available at juiceboxpodcast.com. Super important, when you click on the links, you're supporting the podcast. If you love the podcast, if you love how much content there is, and that it's free for you, Supporting the sponsors and sharing the show with others are the two quickest ways to keeping it going. Is there, um, is there any kind of wonkiness in the first 24 hours? Like some people see with G6. The, um, all, you know, my experience with CGM technology over, you know, the last 20 years is that, always the first day and there's more, a little more variability in that day at times some people experience it more than others some people you know experience once in a while um and it really just comes from the um uh for you know kind of wound response from inserting a sensor you have a brand new sensor insertion site mm-hmm. there's a whole lot that's actually going on from a physiology perspective and so that does create variability in the first day um and so the performance is, is still really good but yeah, you can have some of that, um, you know, uh, signals that generally they run a little lower sometimes, uh, you know, that they give you a bit of a, a dip in the sensor signal, um, but still, still accurate and reliable, but not, you know, not perfect. It's clearly the MARDs on the later days are better than the initial days. Uh, things I think we know already where times 10 days. It's actually 10 and a half days. Okay. There's a, uh, there's a new a feature called grace period. Have we talked about that before? I have not together? spoken to anybody no. about it yet. No. So, um, yeah, so we have this new, new feature on G7 that was basically designed based on feedback from customers saying, um, you know, when the sensor stops showing data exactly 10 days after I insert it, it's not always the most convenient time to change my sensor. So sometimes I have to stop my sensor session earlier to replace a sensor, right? right? Because you want to do it when it's convenient. So the um, uh, the 10 and a half day wear on G7, the grace period, which is 12 hours, is basically once you get to your 10 days from sensor insertion um, time. So let's say you did it at four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, 10 days later at four o'clock in the afternoon, when it's saying, hey, we're going to time your sensor off. We actually, with G7, extend it. We notify you saying, hey, your sensor's expired, but you have another 12 hours to find a time that's convenient for you to replace your sensor. Mm-hmm. Wow. So uh- that's... Do, do you have anything that will make my daughter actually pay attention to that message when it pops up and says the sensor's <laughs> a little arm that'll come out of it and like knock her on the head or something like that? I say, change your sensor. <laughs> Arden, what happened? I don't know. It told me something earlier, but I didn't read it. That was great. Thank you. <laughs> Every time. There you go. Every time. Um, yeah, we're trying. <laughs> I know you guys have been doing, I, I, I know that you've been doing testing on adhesives because Listeners of the podcast through T1D Exchange have gotten opportunities to be in trials for it. But mm-hmm. have you got any uh, any results from that yet? Or people are asking a lot about adhesives. We have, yeah. So a um, couple, couple things on adhesives. So G7 has a new adhesive. Um, it's different than G6. It looks similar. 
Um, but it doesn't have some of the compounds that we've identified that can be irritants for some people. Um, so the within the adhesive of G6, we through those tests that um, we were really um, uh, happy that people were, were um, uh, supporting you know, those trials and participating in them um, and uh, wearing all the different types of patches because it really did help us learn about um, some of the um, compounds that can cause irritation. They're, they're um, not identified as irritants, but they ultimately can become them for, for certain people. So G7 doesn't have those uh, in it. And actually with G6, we've been working on a version of the patch that doesn't have those um, same uh, compounds in it. Um, it. A little bit of it's proprietary uh, between our, us and our um, patch supplier, but um, we basically are very focused on ensuring that uh, we have uh, as little irritation as possible yeah. while still sensor, having sensors at last, you know, adhere, adhere to the body. It's kind of like this a little bit of a balancing act you work, but um, we've learned quite a bit over the last um, year and a half with those studies. So appreciate everyone participating in those that can. Um, and uh, you know, the, people will see it in the products, which you seven in particular. Did it become more easy because um, the product is smaller? Does the adhesive not need to be as strong because it's not holding on as much weight or did that not happen? No, it was just, it's just basically um, using some different types um, of adhesives and not including the same ingredients. And also some of the manufacturing processes we use are different with G7 that also helped enable um, using some different adhesives. They literally, if you look at it, you can't tell the difference, but um, the G7 adhesive is, um, is strong. Uh, it's not less strong than G6. You're right though. It's quite a bit smaller, which is nice. Yeah. Um, and then also with every G7, we supply the um, over patch uh, for use if, if folks want to, it's automatically you know placed in the box. Um, and so you don't have to call for that uh, separate. Very nice. Um, DME, Durable Medical Pharmacy Medicare. How is that all going to be covered? Um, so generally, um, uh, for G, so you're basically asking when we transition to G7 for yeah. G6. Yeah. Well, yeah. So basically, yeah, the, it's a it's a bit of a um, it's a bit of a process. The DME and Medicare usually moves a little faster than all of the pharmacy contracting. So um, you would expect that DME coverage would come quite quickly uh, upon uh, FDA approval, and then the the pharmacy contracts will work their way over time. Um, but we are working on programs to um, ensure that customers can get G7 as fast as they can. So more to come there, but um, it does it does take a little bit of time to get the G seven into everybody's systems and on the in the pharmacy and available for every all the patients that um, have G six today. Okay, will G seven um, show any improvement over sensor errors and not lasting ten days for people? Yeah, it's um it's similar it's similar in terms of um, G six, but what we have seen is that, and I know a lot of customers. Um, yeah, do wear G6 in their arms, but we are seeing with G7 quite good um, sensor longevity when worn in the arm. Um, and so if, if you look at the clinical trial results that we've published, we get better performance in the arm than we do the abdomen. The abdomen is still very good performance, but the arm is better. Um, and so we, we've, we've kind of known that, or we thought that that was the case for quite a while, but we'd never run enough large clinical validation study work to really prove it. Um, but with the G7 studies that we ran um, for approvals, um, they were quite large, you know, hundreds of hundreds of customers or uh, patient subjects in the study um, and uh, both pediatrics and adults. Um, and we saw in both cases, the arm performance was it was more accurate uh, and lasted longer in the arm. Interesting. Are you expanding the approved places or is it still the same as before? No, our, no, with G7, our intent is to get an arm indication. To get, to um, definitely. So to it'll get. be indicated for use in the arm. Okay. Yep. I, I, Arden only wears hers on her hips. So, 
Um, yep. I'll be interested. I, I wonder if the size change would maybe get her to move it to her arm. That'll be great. It's, it's, it is quite convenient, uh, with the size. And it's one of those things like you, it's kind of obvious, but when you actually experience a product, you, you do understand how much smaller it is and you basically forget you're wearing it. It is really quite different than my a G6 experience. Okay. Excellent. Um, smartphones at launch, are you adding any, or are they going to be the same ones that people get for G6? So we, um, so we're basically the way we approach smartphones is we're always working on whatever the latest available phones are. And so with Apple, you know, it always takes us a little bit, a little bit of time to get all of the validations and testing approved and, um, you know, through the system. So you often get the little warning that says we're still in the middle of testing this, um, you know, you, you hit okay and you can continue to use it. Um, but we um, are still in the a formal validation phase. So um, won't be any different with uh, G7. Apple, um, we'll, we'll work, we're working on the, the latest phones and iOS is there. Same with Android, right? The um, Samsung models um, are, are the ones that we support the most number of phones. Um, but we, you know, we are internally working on programs where uh, we do want to support more handsets. Um, if you think about it as we go global, right? We're growing this global business in the U.S. and outside the U.S. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different handsets out there. And so we're working on ways to be able to support more. Um, and for us, it's really just about, can we um, enhance our efficiency in the testing that we do to validate? We have to validate every single phone to ensure that the Bluetooth performance meets um, the requirements because the alerts and alarms of our products are so important. And if the Bluetooth isn't reliable on that particular handset, which is not uncommon, mm-hmm. um, then we really don't want customers using them. So that's why they, they end up not being supported. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people say, well, you know, we could support, should be able to support anything, but it's actually interesting within each cell phone, there is some different hard functionality, particularly on the Bluetooth chips right. and they're not all as reliable as we would want. Yeah. Um, I guess speaking of things that it integrates with Apple watch G seven to Apple watch, will that yeah, be so G- Yeah. So at launch, you'll have the same functionality as G six, uh, in the U S launch with, um, uh, with, uh, you know, secondary display of your information on, on your watch, you can clear your alerts. Um, so you basically, if you get the alert, you can acknowledge it on the watch. Um, but the direct to watch, we did build it into the hardware of G7. So the, um, the wearable has the capability to do that functionality. Um, and we're looking forward to some, an upcoming re- release of, um, of uh, a new watch OS that has a bunch of support in it that we need mm-hmm. um, to help us uh, uh, make that feature actually happen. How about Garmin? Garmin will be the same as it is today, which is the um, uh, functionality where if you have the Garmin Connect app, then you can um, you know basically put uh, G7 data on your Garmin watch. You just it's, it'll be the exact same process. Um, the beautiful thing about those cloud. APIs that we've launched with partners like Garmin is that with G6 to G7, it's a very simple update on our side. Uh, and then you may have to log back in, log out and log back into your account uh, with that G7 credential, but really simple. Jake, do you have to go or do I have more time? No, you have you have more time. Okay. Yeah, I, I was late. You have more time. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, I'm not sure if I'm getting a, uh, if we have to go or not. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to drag you along. So let's talk about that for a half a second. Somebody asked me a question that I wasn't going to ask you, but based on what you were just talking about with Apple Watch, I'd like to understand this piece a little better. The question yeah. was, could you get me functionality with the apps where it calls me for a low? And like SugarMate has, was mm-hmm. which was a statement. And I what made, what made me think I wouldn't ask the question is, in my mind, if you can't say that it's going to do it definitely, 
then you can't get it through the FDA. And so that's where functionality like that becomes less easy to try to put into place. Am I right about that? You are, you are, Scott. It, it, you know, uh, the one of the most critical things our product does is the um, alerting um, in the FDA and and our and uh, Dexcom as well view that as it's a really important aspect of the product. And so, when it comes to safety, it is the thing that you know saves lives uh, right. when you get those low alerts. Um, and so, it um, it is something that yeah, validation of those things takes you really have to go through a lot of different um, use cases, edge cases, all kinds of stuff to make sure you have absolutely everything covered. And that's really been what, you know, as we've worked on the direct to watch with um, on the Apple watch platform, you know, ensuring that every user gets reliable alerts when that thing becomes your main receiver, your phone's not around, your receiver's not around, your pump's not around. So you're not getting an alert unless it comes from that watch. And so being able to do that reliably has been, um, something that Apple and Dexcom have worked together on to ensure that that can happen. And from my perspective, on the technology side, we're really close to being, being able to introduce that functionality. Um, but as you mentioned, the call feature, it's, it's very similar in that it just has to happen. Um, we do know, you know our partner, um, SugarMate, has that functionality. Um, and uh, SugarMate quickly um, connected up to our real-time API once it's been available now. And so they're, they do have that. Um, so... It's not on our roadmap to add that, um, but um, you're, you're right, though, about it, it gets pretty difficult to do some of those things. Well, but. It would, it's scary to you. If, I, if you say, hey, if this thing reaches a certain number, we're going to send you a phone call, and I don't know, it has to do with a cell network, and the cell network grows down, then suddenly the alert you told me I was going to get didn't come, and there's nothing you can do about it, so you can't put yourself in that position to begin with. Yeah, 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 and and you probably will call us, and and it'll be a complaint that hey, it didn't work, and we're gonna you know, have to investigate it. And so yeah, it definitely is one of those things that when we when we're doing you know we listen to customer feedback, uh, a lot of the features in G seven are based on the great feedback that we've gotten from customers around G six, right? Uh, and so we um, we 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 are very thoughtful about which features we introduce and how we prioritize them. And you're bringing up one of the things that can actually can add some complexity mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, G7 is going to be approved for what ages? Uh, it's the uh, same as um, uh, G6, so two and up. Two and up. Um, so that's, that's the intent. And then let me just ask you about the apps a little bit, because I feel like we've been talking about these revamped apps for, I, I'm going to say forever. Uh, <laughs> maybe So um, little things. You wouldn't, you wouldn't tell me last time we talked, but are we going to see rate of change on the new apps? So not not immediately, okay. uh, but it is definitely in in the roadmap because we've gotten a lot of feedback on that. And actually, after our last call, I dug in to see where in the the feature priority list it was. So it's not in the initial uh, release. But one of the things that we're doing different with G seven is we have a, a cadence. We call it our release trains, but we have a whole cadence of things planned for the next couple of years to bring um, you know significant value to customers through new versions of the app. We've we've been in the past, you know, with G6, we didn't bring, you know, we did a number of uh, enhancements to it, but they weren't as frequent as I want, uh, as we want. And so what we're working on is how do we bring uh, more value uh, faster? And it's really doing a lot of what, um, you know, the, the tech industry does. Um, and our software team looks much, much different uh, today than it did um, even a couple of years ago in terms of size, capability, and breadth. So um, I'm really excited about what we're going to be doing with our apps as we continue to go forward. Do you anticipate more frequent app updates than have been normal in the past? That's that's the intent. That's what that's the expectation we've set. Um, 
for ourselves is that we're going to be developing um, features at a much faster cadence than we have in the past. Okay. So I'll hit you with these little things that seem like messages more than questions since yeah, the, the last one seemed sure. like it might've helped in the past. Uh, one of them was overwhelmingly more Android phones, please, which we already talked about. Uh, people feel very um, passionate about the packaging being lesser every time and the ability to recycle things. Um, a lot of people give feedback about that. Uh, and then there's a message for you here, which I'll save to the end, but this is the last question, which I think is hilarious as you're trying to get G7 through the FDA. Uh, what is G8 going to be like? <laughs> <laughs> well, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be Dexcom if we weren't already working on that. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. We are working on G8. Um, it's another uh, kind of, um, step in the wearable technology, making it, um, you know, less, even, you know, more discreet, um, uh, you know, uh, manufacturing scale, right? That's that's become a very important part of how we, how we design our sensors. Is we need to be able to manufacture, you know, hundreds of millions of them, mm-hmm. and so um, there's a bunch of that kind of technology that's going into to G8. Um, G7 is going to be a big focus for us, though. Our plan is to roll it out um, as fast as we can across the globe and reach you know millions of customers with it. And so, um, but yeah, G8 is a program. We are running it um, and we're excited about what's going on there, but you're not going to get any secrets out of me today. All right. Well, then I, <laughs> I'm still going to la- ask my last question then. Do you have any idea when this might happen? G7? Uh, do you say an FDA lo- uh, approval and G7 launch? Yeah. yeah. My expectation is it happens this year. Um, we've got, um, you know, we're in that back and forth period with the FDA. Um, things are going great. Um, we're really happy with how um, the, uh, the interaction um, and so, you know, we're thinking uh, sometime after ADA, uh, likely. So ADA is coming up here in June. Um, and so, you know, our last uh, earnings call, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, our expectation is sometime after ADA, we'll get approval and then we'll be launching. But in a meaningful way this within this this year, it's not like we're launching on December 31st. That's not our intent. Right. Of course, regulatory timelines are always, I've always <laughs> Kevin Sayer, our CEO, everybody asks us to predict when the, you know, the FDA approves the product. And so it's, it's you know, we basically are saying our best estimate at this point, given what we know today, is that it'll be sometime after ADA, but we'll allow a, a, a full launch of it this year. Jake, Kevin's more fun around these questions than you are. I just want you to know. <laughs> <laughs> he can be. <laughs> and there's a number of messages from here from people who just wanted me to say thank you for the technology. So um, I won't, I, I can't read them all to you, but uh, a lot of heartfelt thanks came through as well. Very, very much appreciate um, all the folks that, that uh, use our technology every day to, um, you know, help them manage diabetes. Yeah. No, thank you for taking the time to do this. I appreciate it. Cool. Thanks, Jake, Scott. Take care, Jake. Yeah. Jake, you think we'll be doing this again? I bet you want to know what I asked Jake when I shut off the recording and what he answered, but I can't tell you. Thank you so much to Jake Leach for coming on the show and talking today about Dexcom G7. And thank you to US Med for sponsoring this episode of the Juicebox podcast. Head over now to usmed.com forward slash juicebox or call 888-721-1514. Get your free benefits check and get started today with US Med. Getting your diabetes supplies should not be difficult. And with US Med, it won't be.
If you're new to the Juicebox podcast, hit subscribe in your podcast app or any audio app that you're listening in. For instance, Audible, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc., etc., etc. Hit subscribe or follow. Follow and subscribe. Get the next episode right there on your phone. If you're looking for support online, the Juicebox podcast has a Facebook page. It is a private page with nearly 25,000 people in it. They all use insulin or love someone who uses insulin. And they're having vibrant and valuable conversations all day long that you may enjoy. You could get involved in them or just kind of lurk around and see how people handle things. It's actually very helpful and a great way to learn about type 1 diabetes management and the use of insulin in general. So I'm saying type 2 as well. You hear me. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.